the thing that really stuck out to me at uh, made me think that continuing this study could be valuable uh, was the idea that God loved me and that uh, Jesus' suffering could mean something if I accepted it into my life, which sounds kind of weird and it's hard to explain how that how that really felt to me as a 12 year old who at the time was actually leaning more into satanism welcome back to i'm the villain so today we're gonna be talking with preston meyer of the holy watermelon podcast who's actually talking to us from canada um he's a sunday school teacher there and uh, we're going to be talking about progressive Christianity. So, Preston, why don't you just give a, a couple sentences for the audience, whatever you think they should know about you? Uh, yeah, I guess there's not a lot to know. I studied uh, religious studies and Christian theology at the University of Alberta. And I usually have to explain to people that religious studies is not training to be a priest or learning how to start up a church or something but it's the anthropological and sociological and historical study of what people do with religion. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> you know, I, I have a couple of friends who have gone to divinity school and they talk about, and there's like some really cool shit going on in divinity schools, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like what? Like, okay, so they went to a, a place called like the farminary, right? So it's like a farm and like, you know, obviously there's a ton of agrarianism, you know, embedded in so many religions, if not maybe all religion, I don't know. But, <laughs> and so like, you know, they talk a lot about the relationship to like the earth and there, I know there's a really cool program going on, you know, at Harvard Divinity School that a friend of mine went to where they are basically talking about this process of secularization. And as we secularize as a society, what is sort of taking the place of religion? So they're studying things like, you know, whatever, like community theaters and like ultimate, fr I, I play ultimate Frisbee, things like ultimate Frisbee teams and like, you know, other sorts of, you know, structures that are kind of taking the place of that almost spiritual and community role that religion has historically taken, which I thought was really cool. And I did not know until, you know, recently that that was something that was like going on in divinity schools. Yeah, there's always a lot of work to be done. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of stuff are you are you interested in in that field? I love looking at how people find difficulties dividing their culture from their religious life. Um, for example, uh, an easy thing to grab is um, the idea of the burqa. It's always looked at from our Western hemispherical perspective as a thing that's just part of Islam. But if you actually look at Islam around the world, that's not the case. It's actually a more Arabic tradition. And there's an awful lot of emphasis saying if you're going to be a faithful Muslim, you're going to do this in those countries where they have when they have non-religious reasons to pressure people. Like ulterior motives. That's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> ulterior motives. And I think it's really interesting to see how religions evolve over a long, over a long period of time. Um, most of the religions that I've studied have been around for thousands of years. And we can see how people behave over time. And what parts of their religious texts are important to them and how they use them. Which is nifty to me. Maybe not to everybody. 
maybe this is getting into the nitty gritty, but like, are there like patterns that we see in terms of how people like how people's relationship with a certain religion might evolve over time? I don't think there's any um, really strong patterns that we can kind of paint over the all the whole of human history very effectively. Uh, but generally, if we're going to pick anything, it's when people are threatened uh, by something that's very similar, but uh, subscribes to a different religion, they will definitely use that difference to validate uh, conflict. There, there seems to be a big, like a lot of conflict almost going on in sort of the religious community of the modern day, right? And I'm, I'm curious what you consider to be the main kind of characteristics of progressive Christianity and how that kind of interacts with, because obviously Christianity is like a super old tradition. So how does that interact with the people who are more, maybe not conservative, but like orthodox? You know what I mean? So one of the things that I've noticed is that there is a lot of conflict um, and a growing conflict between people who are really hardcore literalists of biblical text and people who are a lot more willing to look at it through a scholarly lens and say, hey, real historical people were writing these words down and their interpretation of their feelings and the things that came before them and the cultural norms. And there's this feeling that's really visible among the, the fundamentalists, if you will, that they're being threatened by these people who claim to be faithful, who are saying that their faith is not valid because they believe something that's not true. If the Bible isn't actually God's word, then everything falls apart. And that's really frustrating for everybody involved. Yeah. And like I said, in this video that I was watching, it was like, you know, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the, the rhetoric around this kind of issue is like, you know, Christianity is supposed to be about love or supposed to be about like acceptance or tolerance or whatever and like being Christ-like. But I noticed that a lot of the, a lot of the sort of conservative Christians were pushing back a little bit on that. And we're actually more saying like, yeah, that's, that's a part of it. But in order to know God's love, you have to understand what it means to be, you know, a true servant of God. I guess that was like interesting and kind of contrary to like to what I was thinking was thinking about like sort of the quote unquote core tenets of Christianity to be, I was raised like, you know, very loosely Baptist. So I'm not very educated on this, but. Did you, did you grow up going to church, DeAndre? No, I didn't grow up going to a church. I grew up in, my, my grandparents were very sick and I grew, I was raised by my grandparents. So we didn't really go to church just for like accessibility purposes. I did grow up in like a prayer centric household. It was like, you know, ask, pray like pray every night ask god pray over mm -hmm. pray over all of the meals that kind of thing yeah and preston i'm just curious um you said you were raised mormon yeah right like how what was your sort of religious upbringing right uh, like well i went to church probably three times before i was 12 maybe it was a little bit more than that i don't really remember a whole lot and then when i was about 12 years old i went to visit my mom because my parents were split and missionaries came over and I was invited to join the conversation, and I decided, hey, I could learn a little bit more about this. And I think 
the thing that really stuck out to me at, uh, made me think that continuing this study could be valuable uh, was the idea that God loved me and that uh, Jesus' suffering could mean something if I accepted it into my life, which sounds kind of weird and it's hard to explain how that how that really felt to me as a 12 year old who at the time was actually leaning more into satanism <laughs> kind of the opposite <laughs> wait what is literal satanism so satanism is actually a, a kind of wide nebulous many things generally speaking most satanists don't even believe in a person who is satan but in the philosophy of standing up against dangerous power, uh, especially in the body of the church. But there are some Satanists who look to the person of Lucifer as the first philosopher, this archetype of freedom. That's the camp I was in when I was starting to learn about Christianity. I don't know, it was a weird feeling making that switch, but it felt like it was an appropriate switch to make. And then... Uh, about a few months later, I decided, you know what, I'll be baptized, I'll become a, a Christian, and join the Mormon Church, and then stuck with that all the way through high school. Uh, shortly after high school, I went and served a mission for the church for a couple of years, and I've done a lot of studying into it, and I feel really comfortable with it, uh, which I think is really important for an awful lot of people, belief kind of halts investigation and that's true in every religious tradition around the world in the vast majority of cases but i decided that if i'm gonna actually understand this i have to investigate and learn more and see where things fall apart yeah you know what's so fascinating to me and i i and for full context i was not really as religious in any way there's this inherent i think like mode that i think at least people I know have really come to believe, which is that like, oh, it's really hard to convince people of anything. Yep. Right. And that like there is no right way that like even from a like, you know, political polarization standpoint, from a like climate change standpoint or like whatever your cause is, right, that people are just going to believe whatever they believe. And what's interesting is I feel like the whole notion of being a missionary is that you don't accept that as fact, that no one is convincible, right? And presumably the actual like project of going out and trying to convince people involves quite a lot of inquiry, right? Because you're obviously going to be met with plenty of skeptics who don't necessarily believe what you believe. And the whole point is to try to convince them, right? Absolutely. So how does that sort of square together with this whole, like, you know, I, I very much think of religion as an extremely static, like, you know, in, when you talk about literalists, like, you know, tradition of, you know, of, of not doing that, as you were just mentioning. <laughs> it's, it's tricky. People change from one generation to the next everywhere you go, mostly. And so religions tend to evolve slowly along those lines, more or less. Um, as a missionary, I definitely came up against all kinds of questions. And some of them are like, wow, yeah, that's actually a really great, really great question. I don't have an answer for that right now. But uh, let me ponder on it and study a little bit. Maybe ask a few other people what their thoughts are on it. And then we can come up with something that hopefully makes sense to all of us. Um, being a missionary was really weird that um, it is 
an awful lot of going out and teaching people. Uh, for some people, um, you'll see a lot of knocking on doors. Everybody knows that's the least effective way to spend your time. My job as a missionary was to teach people who are looking to be taught. But sometimes you got downtime. and How did you identify those people? Referrals. Oh. Um, we belong to a, con a congregation um, moving around from area to area from time to time. And people would have friends. Um, generally speaking, if you are a good person and make friends, at some point somebody's going to want to know what you believe. So that was our job to teach those people in an official capacity what it is the church believes. <laughs> that almost sounds like, like I'm just imagining like what it would look like to get a referral of this person of like having a friend who's like, you know, you need God. Like it almost <laughs> seems like kind of an offensive thing, you know? <laughs> that like, definitely happens. It's not the most yeah. effective way, but it happens. <laughs> so as at that point in your life, you know, you're describing yourself as like a pretty sort of like inquisitive person that isn't afraid to sort of like investigate questions. Do you feel like you were part of a church that was also sort of tolerant of that line of thinking? Sometimes. I've sometimes felt that the church is tolerant of my line of thinking. I don't think I've changed a whole lot in my inquisitive nature in the last 20 years. But there's been some pushback from time to time. I remember in one Sunday school class I was in about 10 years ago, a guy who was in charge of leading the discussion stood up and said that there is no theology in our church, only doctrine. and. I had to just kind of write him off as any intellectual authority at that point, <laughs> because theology is the study of God, and if you're not doing that in a church, what are you doing? And <laughs> uh, we only have doctrine is a really dumb thing to say when you know that doctrine means that which is taught. <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird moment, and they happen kind of regularly and how does that how does that get handled uh, usually i just speak up and say hey that's not what those words mean <laughs> and then we come to some sort of agreement that can allow the con the conversation to continue do you think that in that moment that person like like what is it about the sort of like intellectualizing slash academicalizing, if that's a word. What is it about that that like maybe those people don't like? Is it just the fact that it causes people to ask questions? Definitely. A lot of people are really uncomfortable with um, the idea that something might not be known. Uh, so for the, the person I was talking about, uh, for him, theology meant relying on human wisdom to understand God, and doctrine for some reason meant something that is revealed from God. And both of those are pretty problematic that lead to misunderstandings and could have led to a larger quarrel than it did. So does that, I mean, I, the thing that I think you're talking about, DeAndre, of like this whole notion of like intellectualizing seems very also like uh, a fundamental part of why a lot of people see religion as being antithetical to science or not necessarily antithetical but at, you know at odds with science and sort of the line of inquiry involved in the scientific method and things like that is that 
something that you think about, Preston? Yeah, kind of often. <laughs> yeah. So what? Are, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's so weird to me that I run into people all the time, both in my church and in other churches, that science is this thing that must be opposed to God. And they'll cite examples like the Catholic Church banishing Galileo and all kinds of ridiculous things up to the current day where science must disprove the existence of God. When in reality, science has disproven a handful of things specifically that we believed about God. For example, the idea that God and his angels live in the clouds. We've disproven that pretty solidly because we haven't been wiping angel wings off of the front of our airplanes. But there's smaller scale things that are testable as well. Um, you've got an awful lot of people who testify that their prayers are answered in sometimes really odd ways, but in reliable ways often enough. Kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but the scientific method is all about being able to test a thing and have repeatable results. And that's where things get tricky with theology, is that we don't have an absolutely unmovable constant, because the, the prime mover, if you will, is a, a person who is able to make decisions on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the kind of thing that always, like, no matter what, everything. So, like, I've been thinking a lot about this concept of, like, the worship of the written word, right? Because that is something that is in this... Um, text that has been going around, DeAndre, that we actually talked about in our last episode, um, which is a document on, like, the elements of white supremacy culture, and, like, one of the elements is is the worship of the written word. Yeah. And it is very... Uh, it's just very interesting to me, especially um, because, you know, a lot of the groups that I'm part of as, you know, a very leftist person who is surrounded by leftist people is that uh, that feels like a regressive thing to do, right? Is to like, you know, consider the written word to be so foundational. And like, you're right, it is always like, no matter what, all words that we have, right, were written by people and it were mediated by fallible human beings at some point in history. Absolutely. And so like, yeah, how does that square with, you know, this, this intense, like, you know, okay, well, it's got to be right. It doesn't matter if it was written like, you know, hundreds of years ago, right? Yeah. A really great example I have of how ridiculous this is, is that a lot of Christians, especially in America and Canada, North America, the English speaking world, absolutely are committed to the supremacy of the King James version of the Bible which is odd, it's about 410 years old. And before six or 1610, we didn't have the King James Bible. Like this is relatively recent history. And about five, six years before its publication, we had Catholics bombing the king who was working to make this happen, to the publication of this book. And now, for some reason, we have loads of people, um, especially outside of the Christian realm, celebrating Guy Fawkes as this great rebel uh, and his gunpowder plot and everything, when his mission was actually to kill the Protestant king to prevent the supremacy of the Protestant church and the publication of the Bible in English. And it's, it's super weird because this 
book served as a simple testimony, preserving the testimonies of prophets and apostles from centuries before. And it's, for some reason, we have moved from the testimonies of these people who came before us telling us that God is good, taking that as important, and moving towards this book is a sacred relic, and we're going to wallpaper our houses with it so that our houses will be protected and that kind of thing religion has done some weird things how do we like especially you know given that that's such a fundamental part of so much of christianity how do progressive christians like you know kind of like move away from that in a way that you know feels coherent you know (laughs) i think the most visible way is that more progressive christians are trying to be good neighbors to each other. Um, you'll see a lot of um, the fundamentalist Christians are almost always really hard right-leaning politically, and then progressive are going to lean left because they're focused on the actual words of Jesus that we need to love one another, take care of each other, and not focus so much on the law. So it's more about the values than it is about you know like the the word like squabbling over what the text says mostly yeah so does any part of you i don't know does any part of you worry that like maybe progressive christians are wrong like maybe the bible does need to be followed very literally and that like everyone's just going to end up in hell like is that does that ever cross your mind no i can't say that it has (laughs) the way that we have any sort of promise of the afterlife in the Bible is this idea that we're going to be in a community and that we want to be welcomed into a community that lives by a high standard of morality, that we're going to deal well with our neighbors, and that I don't see heaven being anything other than the best of the communities where everyone's good to each other. And so even if you don't believe a specific thing, if you're good to your neighbors, you're going to be in a better situation than people who are just awful to each other all the time. The Bible talks a lot about uh, righteousness. There's a word I prefer to translate uh, that word to as justice. If we are just to each other and we fight for justice, that's not just making sure that laws are obeyed, but that people are cared for in a just and proper manner. And even if you are worried about laws being obeyed, if you've read the New Testament, Jesus is super clear about, hey, if you're going to change your path and be good, then you're fine. And there's no punishment that's going to put you in a burning pit of hell forever. But you do think that, like, presumably having more people be Christian would make for a better society or a more moral society. (laughs) Would you agree with that? I don't agree with that at all. I've seen far too much evidence to the contrary. Okay, so then why (laughs) sort of proselytize in any way? I don't think it's at all appropriate to go banging on people's doors and saying, hey, you need to be a Christian now. Um, But if people want to join, there's... To me, the advantage of belonging to the community that I do is that, in theory, I'm surrounded by people who are willing to make and keep promises with each other to be good to each other and to constantly improve themselves and support me when I try to improve myself. And there's more than one church doing that. Yeah. So do you, I mean, would you then say that like you see it as this 
like how much would you say you feel as if religion is sort of a tool like as a means to an end to achieve the, like some of these things that you're talking about absolutely i, I see religion as a tool that's okay. um in fact the the basis of the word religion is um like a ligature that binds us together and to god and so a church will have rights that bind us as a community and connect us to god and the mormon doctrine around all of that is that whatever you believed in this life when you die you're going to realize what the cosmos is all about you're going to realize the who the creator is and your relationship to him and there is opportunity that even the dead can make and renew covenants with god and so that's a thing that it's really hard to say hey we need to go and baptize everybody while they're alive because there's no hope after because don't believe that i mean is there some sort of uh like this have you heard of like the benedict option doesn't sound familiar it's it's this book that i i have no idea how actually popular it is but like a friend of mine is into it and it's like i feel like there is this you know as a society We've always had, you know, like pluralism, but I feel like at least in America, it is starting to feel really kind of dire, right? Like the fact that we have so many different factions that disagree so vehemently over, you know, such basic things, right? And, and you know, values. And um, I feel like on, on our show, we've talked a lot about how, you know, from the standpoint of more radical sort of leftists, right? Like we have been talking a lot about like, okay, what is the solution? Like if we see these like, you know, big problems in society, like is it a viable option to sort of like, you know, at least if we can't get things done on like a larger scale, more like federal level, right? Because it seems so infeasible based on our current political system is there a way to like create communities that reflect our values more on a local level right and so we were talking for example with a woman who is like a single black mom in arkansas who you know is trying to you know part of her tenure plan is to found sort of like a single mom commune in the middle of arkansas and things like that and yeah, i actually really enjoyed that episode oh oh that's awesome yeah and so you know it's interesting to me because, like, that's actually quite a, you know, old idea because we already have plenty of religious communities that have already been doing that and have been like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like the broader society is going in a direction that we want to see. And therefore, you know, we want to be able to protect our, you know, kids and like, you know, raise them with the values that we have. And so, like, you know, you see these sort of like enclaves of religious communities. And I'm curious, like, you know, how... uh sort of like what you think of that as an option in terms of like trying to create the types of communities that you want to see knowing that you know obviously a lot of religion is like further and further sort of like becoming a minority or just like not the mainstream anymore i have mixed feelings i i appreciate the the desire to protect your kids and and shelter them and build a community that is exactly what you want it to be. I, I totally get that. But the downside to that, and the, what bothers me a little bit, is the idea that when you do that and you shut yourself off from the larger community, that larger community is likely to get worse. 
or at least move away from what you want for your own community. And so uh, we see little communes all over the place that want to become more and more separated and their values are no longer represented in votes and elections and things just get worse. You know, in your ideal world, like what is what religion does or what role does religion play, you know, in 20 years, 50 years? Like, I mean, Isabel noted that it's, you know, we are becoming a more I can't I can I always get it wrong if like secular or not secular is like is secular religious or is that not religious? No, secular is un- is not religious. Yeah. So okay. Isabel noted that we are becoming a more like a gradually more secular society. And I was really kind of intrigued when you when you said that you don't think that more people becoming Christians is, is objectively a good thing. So like, where do you think the future for, you know, Christianity slash like religion as a whole lies? I don't think we'll ever see the disappearance of religion in general or Christianity specifically, but I really hope to see the world get more secularized especially when we have such a huge diversity of religions, the idea that any state should be held by a monopoly of, of a single religion, uh, like imposing specifically Christian or specifically one subset of Christianity as the moral standard for an entire society, especially when a lot of those statements are really hurtful to an awful lot of people, I don't want that. And so secularism seems like the best solution for a pluralistic society. So you see it as being much more of a societal level thing as opposed to like seeing it as a function of like individuals um, being more or less religious, right? You're like, okay, let's let's at least secularize the institutions and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I would describe myself as a pretty secular person, but also deeply religious and i guess for a bunch of people that sounds really hard to wrap your head around um but because i don't demand that anybody believe any certain thing because that sounds terribly unjust that we just need to be good to each other and live peaceably i think that's kind of at the heart of the advancement of secularism is stop being awful to each other. <laughs> Preston, thank you so much for sitting with us. I feel like I I really have enjoyed yeah just like picking your brain about the shit like you you sit at a really good place you know like (laughs) the study of theology but also like yeah you're a christian and that's dope yeah i've really enjoyed it thanks for having me for sure um so my ending question is um since the world is kind of starting to open up again obviously you know we're having a bit of a rocky go at it with this delta thing but have you done anything that was really exciting or really or that made you really happy um outdoors ah just meeting with friends that i haven't been able to see a lot of lately it's been kind of nice to be able to do that again lately yeah that definitely to me is like the biggest the biggest plus right um okay this is your time please uh plug whatever you want to plug my podcast the holy watermelon podcast uh we dive into 
ex exploration of religious traditions and behaviors. Uh, my co-host is not a Christian. She's an atheist. And so we have a pretty great dynamic between the two of us that if you find religion interesting and want to know more, I think the Holy Watermelon podcast might be for you. Can I ask how you came up with the name? So it took a lot of thought. It's a, a portmanteau. I, I really enjoy it. That there's the idea of holy water and a watermelon. And melon being, you know, a nickname for the head or the brain sometimes. So we're thinking about religion. Yeah, no, I was going to say one of the, like one of the, the better named podcasts I'd ever come across. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And as always, you can find us at I'm the villain pod. That's our Twitter. That's our Gmail. And that's our Instagram. Otherwise, bye.